we saw some really impressive responses with these trials, like it blew standard of care out of the water. So at that point, they went to the FDA and said, hey, look, this is, this is pretty cool. We can help a lot of people with this. Um, and the FDA agreed. This is the James Cancer-Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and my guest is Dr. Samantha Jaglowski. Samantha is a hematologist who specializes in stem cell transplants for patients with leukemia and or lymphoma, and she is the Associate Director for Clinical Operations and Quality of the James Blood and Marrow Transplant and Cellular Therapy Program. Samantha also leads several of the CAR T-cell clinical trials here at the James, and CAR T-cell is our topic today. It's an amazing and fascinating way to treat patients with blood cancers by re-engineering and boosting their immune systems. The James is a leader in this field, and Samantha will fill us in on the basics of CAR T-cell and how the program at the James has evolved and advanced over the past five years. And this is the first of a two-part series on the James Blood and Bone Marrow Transplant and Cellular Therapy Program. And in part two, Dr. Marco Stalima, the director of the program, he will fill us in on the other half of the program, the blood and bone marrow transplant aspect. And he'll also give us an overview on the entire program. Welcome back to this podcast, Samantha. Thanks for having me, Steve. Boy, that's a long, lot of titles and a long name of your program. Yes, but, yes it is. But I take it that's because you do a lot. We <laughs> do a lot. And, you know, it's kind of funny because blood and marrow transplant is cellular therapy. Like, this is the, the original stuff that we've been doing at Ohio State since 1984. And just, you know, in the last decade, really, you know, the ability to engineer either a patient's cells or a donor's cells to make them recognize cancer has really kind of come to the forefront and um, become one of the mainstays of treatment for us. And that's the CAR T-cell therapy. That's the CAR T-cell part. So CAR stands for chimeric antigen receptor. So basically these cells are co-incubated with, currently, a deactivated virus that can train them to recognize um, markers on the surface of a cancer cell, whether it be a lymphoma cell or a leukemia cell, or as we'll talk about, a lung cancer cell or a sarcoma cell or a melanoma cell. Um, and, and these cells, these T cells, will then become kind of supercharged, so we can put them back into a patient. They get really excited because they recognize this antigen that's sitting there. They divide really rapidly, and then they all kind of coalesce to go fight the cancer. So the cancer cells are able to hide from the T cells. Right. And then explain again what, you, what do you take out of the patient, and then what do you do to it? So we take a patient's white blood cells out. Okay. For are currently available, and there's there's a lot we can talk about kind of later. But for, you know, for our, our blood cancer patients, we take out their white blood cells, and then we co-incubate them basically with a virus that can teach them insert some DNA into those specific cells to train them how to recognize. So it escapes some of that immune evasion that cancer cells are so good at. And so these cells become, you know, kind of supercharged spiders. What, why, what does the virus do? How is the virus able to inform the white blood cells that, hey, you've been missing something, now we're going to help you find it? So what 
viruses are good at is basically inserting themselves into healthy cells. Uh. Um, so they can kind of alter how those cells behave a little bit. Now, it's important to recognize that when this happens, this stays within those cells. It's super important that when we put those cells back into a person that we don't end up seeing bits of virus everywhere else because that could be a problem. Uh, Okay. Um, And we have never seen that. But that's one of the things that we watch for really closely when we're doing these cells is to make sure that, you know, all these bits of viral DNA stay exactly where we want them to. And they stay within the T cells within the white blood cells. Right. Okay. Right. So they stay within those T cells. They go in, they they are primed to recognize. So if you think about, you know, when you get a vaccine, you know, we give you a little bit of something, be it part of the virus or, you know, you know COVID. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, that primes your immune system to respond. So you've had this little bit of a thing. Your immune system recognizes it. It's like, okay, next time I see that, I'm going to go get it. And this works in a little bit of the same way in that we've introduced these cells. They go, they find the cancer, they fight the cancer. And then if this cancer happens to decide to pop up again later, then these cells are already primed to say, Uh, no, you don't, buddy. And then go find it and fight it. So that means that this... CAR T cell therapy can last for a long period rather than, and that recurrence rate, hopefully, knock on wood, is going to be really low. Yeah, so that's the cool thing about it is in our patients who are in complete remission at six months, it's pretty unusual to see a relapse. So we've been treating patients on trial at Ohio State for seven plus years now um our first commercially treated patients are passing their fifth year anniversary and we have folks that we treated five seven years ago who are still in remission we were you know one of the the sites that the um the folks developing this were really excited about getting on board um for the Juliet study, which was the first one that we were involved in, we were one of the top accruers, um, which unfortunately means we had a lot of patients yeah. for it, but um, you know, unfortunately means we were able to get this into patients before it became FDA approved and otherwise available. You know, we were invited to, to participate. Um, the, the next step is, you know, and this is really exciting, is you, know, you enroll enough patients in the trial you get enough patients to where there's a, a preset um, study analysis. So they look at the patients who've been treated, they see what kind of side effects we've had, we've seen how well they do. Um, and they kind of compare this to how well those patients would traditionally do. So for our relapsed leukemia patients, our relapsed aggressive lymphoma patients, we knew the answer to that was not real well. So once we go in and they're able to do the survival analysis, progression-free survival analysis compared to, you know, what we would expect ordinarily, then we saw some really impressive responses with these trials, like a blue standard of care out of the water. So at that point, they went to the FDA and said, hey, look, this is this is pretty cool. We can help a lot of people with this. Um, and the FDA agreed. So at this point, we now have FDA-approved products for patients who have diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, follicular lymphoma, mantle cell lymphoma, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, and they're, they work well, but 
they can always work better. So we have trials ongoing looking at how do we get patients who get these commercial studies, commercial therapies to do better? Like, you know, do we get, can we get them in better remissions? Can we make the cells work better? Can we make the cells work better after we put them into people? Um, so there are those trials ongoing. So the clinical trials to establish the concept and the initial process has been approved by the FDA, mm-hmm. but now there's more clinical trials because you're never satisfied. Right. Because not everyone is cured forever, so we're going to keep working to, we're gonna toward keep that. We're going to keep working. We're going to figure out how to get more people cured, how to help the people who relapse afterwards. Um, and there are studies going on in so many different diseases now. Um, at Ohio State, we have studies looking at acute myeloid leukemia is getting cellular therapy. Um, there are studies ongoing for slightly different kinds of cellular therapies in patients with melanoma, with cervical cancer, with sarcoma, with lung cancer. Um, looking at other ways that we can employ cellular therapies for those folks. Um, we expect that there are going to be FDA-approved products in melanoma, hopefully before the end of 2023. Um, we are doing trials now looking at how we engineer our own cells. Oh, uh, wait, before we get into that, I just want a quick question, because mm-hmm. I remember roughly three years ago, we did a podcast, and you, you, you were three years ago, you are mm-hmm. still in the midst of clinical trials, and you mentioned that in the future that this CAR T-cell could be applied to other types of cancers, not just blood cancers, but right. solid cancers now, you just said that in the three years, you, that's come to pass. That's come to pass. Um, we um, expect that we're going, we are treating patients on trial now. We expect, and some of these are frontline trials. So some of these aren't even waiting for a patient to relapse. Um, we expect that we'll be able to treat melanoma patients with a commercial product pretty soon. Um, cervical cancer, I believe it's gonna be the next out the gate. Wow. Um, and I don't think we talked about last time gene therapies. So kind of a similar idea to some of our CAR-T trials, um, in which cells are, are modified often by, um, a CRISPR technique where bits of DNA are cut out or inserted. Um, there's one that's been approved already for beta thalassemia. Um, and we expect one coming for, um, our patients with sickle cell, hopefully in the very near future. Wow, those seem like topics for an entire podcast. So let's put them on the list for future. And and you were about to start on the engineering aspect and how you're doing that here. But first, Mm -hmm. we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna hear about, I'm thinking, how you've taken the next step and are doing the engineering of the T cells here at the James, which I'm sure leads to better care for patients. Mm -hmm. In today's world, misinformation abounds, but at the Ohio State Health and Discovery website, we're addressing today's most relevant health, wellness, science, and research topics, all from the Ohio State experts you can trust. We're tapping into physicians, scientists, and thought leaders across our medical center and health sciences colleges to give you the deeper story behind the headlines and the truth about the topics affecting the health of individuals, society, and the world. 
Visit health.osu.edu today. We're back with Dr. Samantha Jaglowski talking about CAR T-cell. So you gave us a great overview. And when we left off, you were about to tell us about how you're now doing the engineering of the T-cells here at the James. So what does that mean and why is that a good thing for patients? So essentially, there are devices, the one we use is the Milton and Clinimax, that allows us to take these white blood cells. What was the name of that? Clinimax. That's a machine? That's a machine. Okay. A big, big, giant, expensive machine or small, expensive machine? Small, giant, expensive machine. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that's a machine. That's a machine um, that allows us to take those products that we get from patients and instead of shipping them off to, you know, New Jersey or California or wherever we've shipped them off, we can do those same modifications to cells ourselves which gives us the ability to engineer that product a little bit differently than maybe it would be. So the clinical trial that we have at Ohio State, instead of looking at just CD19, which is one marker that sits on the surface of a leukemia or lymphoma cell, is looking at cells that are targeted to, or that are engineered to target 19, 20, and 22. So uh. you're targeting three of these molecules that sit on the surface. So if your cell has happened to lose the ability to express one of them, you still got two more to go after. Um, Because it's pretty common after you've seen these patients get treated with agents that target the cells in certain ways that um, they will lose expression of some of these antigens. So the idea of this is more is better, basically. Um, so to, you've improved upon the product you were getting back. That's the from hope. This, and and, yeah. and it, it it does what the other ones did, did and adds more. Yeah, so you're that, giving, that's you're the giving hope. cells more sight to see more cancer right. cells. The other advantage is time. Yeah. Um, because when we when we are using their commercial products, we collect cells, we ship them off to, you know, wherever across the United States. It takes, in best case circumstances, about three weeks to get those cells back. Um, and this is if everything goes right. There are... A comp- stressful period for patients. Very stressful period because yeah. you have to make sure they're not progressing, yeah. um, which often they do, which you know leads to all sorts of other problems. Um, there are well-described problems with manufacturing slots. Um, Our our myeloma colleagues run into this a lot where um, they have to get on a waiting list to get told that they have a spot to manufacture their patient. Wow, because it's such a new technology, there aren't enough labs around the country, right? So it's hard to get slots. But you, but you decided to overcome that problem. So <laughs> we are hoping to overcome that by doing it ourselves. So you mentioned a couple of things that are coming, doing the engineering mm-hmm. here. But um, what else is coming in the future that's going to even propel this program even further forward? So there's you know kind of a lot of cool mechanistic things. Um, one of the things that is in early phase trials now are allogeneic cars. So what we've been talking about up to this point is an autologous car where we take the cells from the person who's going to get them back. Right. An allogeneic car is a product that is generated from a healthy donor. So this has the advantage of 
being cells that have never been exposed to chemotherapy, cells that have never been exposed to cancer, yeah. um, and cells that are off the shelf. So if we, you know, we have a clinical trial where once we get a patient enrolled, um, we can call the company up and say, hey, send us cells, and we'll have cells the next day. Oh, when you say off the shelf, you mean there's... There's a bank of... There's a bank of plasma, blood. Uh, yeah. That, so it doesn't have... You don't have to find a matching donor. Mm -mm. It's the... the product is out there yeah and the reason why is because these cells have been um typically crispr modified where they cut out the portion of dna that causes graft versus host disease or cause uh, these cells to recognize someone else's you know foreign and bad the the they cut out the part that would have the body of the person who recipient reject the donor right. cells. You've been able to do that through CRISPR, right. which is a genetic al DNA altering, right? Right. Wow. So, and so another huge advance. Yeah. So in the trials, they haven't seen any graft versus host disease. There's really pretty minimal toxicity, and the responses are getting better all the time as they're going through the dose escalation phases. Because one of the things we worry about in that three weeks is, you know, patients relapsing, yeah. disease progression, you know, other bad stuff, clinical condition deteriorating, so it's not safe for us to give cells because we do have to give chemo when we give cells. So this kind of takes that off the table when we're able to, you know, to say, okay, I want cells and here are cells the next day. Oh, when you say that would be through a, a blood transplant, a blood and marrow transplant. You don't, you can avoid that because that requires chemo and. Can it... Well, um, when we get the CAR T, we have to give a little bit of chemo. Okay. Ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's um, we want to suppress the immune system enough so that we can bring in these cells and the immune system doesn't just kick them right out. Oh, even though they're they've been engineered not to right. have the host first graft, they. There, there still could be a little chance with the chemo. Yeah, so okay. we want essentially the chemo is to make sure that the patient's body is a good environment for these cells to come in and proliferate and expand and do their jobs. So another thing I've heard that's coming is there's going to be some sort of outpatient clinic. Right, right. right. Um, we're really excited about this. Um, they. As we have gotten better at doing cell therapy and better at doing transplant, um, we have come to find out, figure out that there are a number of patients who maybe don't have to be in the hospital. Um, when we do a transplant for someone, you know, we typically tell them expect to be here three to four weeks. With cellular therapy, it's, you know, we tell them to plan on being here for seven to 10 days, best case scenario. If they get any side effects, which, you know, 50-50 chance they will, tends to be more like a two or three weeks day. Um, but there are, you know, a fair number of patients who are kind of sitting here twiddling their thumbs, not doing much of <laughs> anything yeah. um, for at least the first part of their hospital stay. So what we are working towards and hope to be opening in the fall is an outpatient transplant cellular therapy unit where patients will come to the James, they'll get their chemotherapy to you know, make the environment all good, um, or in the case of some of our transplant patients, to wipe out the, the leukemia or lymphoma or myeloma cells, um, depending on what we're dealing with. They get their cells in clinic, 
And then they'll come to clinic every day. And instead of having to sit in a hospital bed while we wait for side effects, they'll come to clinic, we'll check them out, we'll make sure they're feeling good, that they're not having fevers, that nausea is under control, diarrhea is under control. If they're maybe starting to feel not so good, we make adjustments to try to get them feeling a whole lot better. Um, when, if, and when the time comes that they need to be admitted, then we'll have um, a, a mechanism to where we can get them in the hospital quickly and safely um, and start treating things that they need to be in the hospital for. But for the time that they don't need to be in the hospital, we can hopefully keep them at home or close by with their families in an environment that's you know a lot more comfortable and yeah. conducive to healing for them. And this will open in the fall. And do you, like, if you had to guess, although guessing is not a good word in science, do you think, will a lot of patients never have to stay overnight in the hospital? Or do you think half will? I, or I think there's a fair number who will probably still have to come in. Um, depending on, on what we're doing, our stegular therapy patients, I think we can probably keep maybe half of them out of the hospital entirely. Okay. Our transplant patients typically get a fever at some point, yeah. and that's going to be one of our, you know, do not pass go, you know, kind of go, go directly to jail kind of things. Um, but so most people will get a fever at some point, and most people will have to come in. But typically what the literature suggests for outpatient transplant is that it shortens the amount of time for white blood cell engraftment. So the white blood cells come back faster, probably because they don't have all these stress cytokines related to being in the hospital that's impeding their oh. ability to recover. Their microbiome stays intact, um, more intact because we're not exposing them to hospital environments. There are fewer fevers, there's fewer infections, and patients typically are happier and, you know, better quality of life, better outcomes. Yeah. Being home is a lot less stressful than being in a hospital. Mm -hmm. wow. So it'll, it'll be, you know, um, it's going to have to be our patients who have really great family support. Um, because that's one of the things that you know, our nurses do fantastic yeah. work when patients are in a hospital. When they're at home, some of that work is going to have to shift to families. Yeah, that's true. If there was someone who's an older person who lives by themselves and doesn't have any caretaker support, that's going to be someone that maybe we want to bring in the yeah. hospital regardless. Yeah. So this isn't something we're looking at for every patient. So you'll do what's best for each patient. Right. Wow. And speaking of what's best for each patient, let's end on something that kind of occurs to me that in your career, your ability to treat patients more effectively has just expanded tremendously. So what's that like for you that a, a person, a patient who would have come in 10 or more years ago, you had only a few options and their outcome might not have been so good. But now with CAR T-cell and some of these other technologies, like you said, you have patients that are didn't have a good outcome and were 10 years out and have mm -hmm. no cancer. What, that, what's that like for you to talk to these people and, and give them this news and, and treat them? It's fun. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. honestly, that's... Um, at the same time, you know, you can never be satisfied with what you have. So, you know, as much fun as it is to be able to do that, at the same time, you know, it's always like wanting the next thing, I guess the next tie, if you will, because 
you still want to be able to do that for everyone. So, so one one success makes you more determined to get to the next success. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, as much fun as that is, and I think it makes it more frustrating when, you, you know, the next person doesn't have that same great response. Wow. So that that's, that's a great attitude that, yes, this is great, but we need to find something even better. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing this. And at some time in the future, we've talked about this. I would be great for you and one of your car T-cell patients to come on and we can hear from that side of it. We've got some fun folks who I think you'll have some some good conversations with. All right. I'm looking forward to that. So thanks for being on the podcast and thanks for leading this car T-cell revolution. Of course. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.